So this morning, we will continue with our series for Colossians. For those of you who, who don't know, we started Colossians at the beginning of the year, and we started with chapter 1, and we've been going through this book of Colossians. And uh, we've taken a few weeks break uh, for just to share and talk about the things that we feel God is speaking to us. And as we got back into it, right now, we are on Colossians chapter 3. However, before we get into scriptures, I also want to say something to the fathers, or soon-to-be fathers, who are here. Uh, firstly, uh, as, as what Vanessa said, you know, the little things that, that you guys and we do is really important. It matters. Um, and also to love your children, obviously. But what I really wanted to, share, uh, to say and encourage is that while you still can, before your kids get bigger and stronger than you, which mine are not yet, uh, roughhouse with them. You know, it may seem dangerous to suggest such thing. Um, when I say roughhousing, I mean like wrestling with them, uh, rolling on top of them, getting dirty. Uh, what I usually do is I wrap them up in what I call like an anaconda. It's the unbreakable grip of love. Liam loves it. All my kids. And I give them the unstoppable kisses of love. And I, they, they try as much as they can to get out, but they don't get out until I let them out. It's, uh, and what I mean is get roughhousing is to um, help, firstly, to strengthen the bond that fathers have with, with, with our kids, both with our daughters, rain too, daughters and, and our, uh, our sons. But at the same time, it will encourage them to, to be risk takers. And what I meant by that is, by us roughhousing with them and playfully play with them, it will slowly teach them to, um, um, to, to um, what do I, what's the term that I'm trying to say? To, to, uh, to fight against opponents or obstacles that are bigger than them. So, this, so then when, as they grow up, when they run up, into, uh, run up against obstacles or, or opponents or things that they come against in life, they will not be discouraged when they enter, encounter those obstacles. So they will realize, oh, I've done this before. I've gotten out of this unbreakable grip of love, no problem, so I can overcome these obstacles. And it's, it's a way for us to at least, like I said, build a stronger bond with our kids as fathers and to help encourage them to be taking more risk as they grow and not be afraid of the obstacles that they will encounter, no matter how big it may seem. Our children need more of an example of... Uh, just more than just an example of hard working or working long hours, because our society has placed such a high importance on working long hours and, and providing for our family, which, while those things are good, but those things should not be a higher priority than actually having a relationship with our kids. We know from scripture and through our personal growth in our relationship with Jesus is the only way to have relationship and grow in that relationship is time spent with each other, right? So, so I just wanna encourage you guys to just spend time with them, rough house with them, play with them. Don't try to be cool, or uncaring, or unemotional. That's what I grew up in. You know, the, the father that I knew was very removed, uh, very focused on the things that he called him to do, but that's not the heavenly father that we know. Our heavenly father cares deeply for us, and he shows that. It's not just, well, I work hard for you so I can buy you things. No, he shows it by being with us and sacrificing so many things for us. We know that it's from the story of the prodigal son. He was very involved 
we, we all know that, right? The, the father picked up his robe and ran to his son because he didn't worry about looking undignified. He wants his son to know how much he loves him. And we know that through our Heavenly Father, he gave up his one and only son, begotten son, Jesus. So as fathers, I just want to encourage you guys because this is an extreme honor and privilege. Uh, when you talk to other people, they may say, oh, it's a burden. But I look at it as an honor and a privilege to be able to say that we are fathers. We get to be fathers because we were chosen by the God of the universe to be fathers to our children. God entrusted us with these incredible kids whom he loves more than we can possibly imagine. He loves these kids more than we can possibly love them. And I tell my kids all the time. So think about it. Our own kids. He loves them more than we can possibly love them. And he entrusted them to us to raise them, to love them, to share with them of his mighty love. That is an incredible privilege for us as fathers. So like Vanessa was saying, the best way is to teach the kids about the perfect love of the father, not the love that we can give them. Because none of us are perfect, right? Maybe I'm just speaking for myself. None of us are perfect. There's only one perfect father, and we know who that is, the perfect love of the Father. So as we continue to point them to Jesus, they will get to know the Father. And they will get to know what it is to have a perfect Father, a love of the perfect Father. And encourage them daily of who they are in Christ. This will give them confidence and a security to know who they were wonderfully created to be. Not what society wants them to be, or to a certain degree, not what we want them to be, but what God has created for them to be. And the only way for us to do that is to point them to Jesus. So through Jesus, they can find the security and the confidence in who they are and who they were made to be. So I just want to encourage you guys in that. And that's for myself too, encouraging myself also to, to always remind myself, remind all of the fathers that it is an honor and a privilege to be fathers. It might not feel that way, some days, but it is an honor and a privilege to be fathers. So I uh, just thought we encourage all of the fathers this morning. So with that, let's uh, open your Bible, or the uh, electronic Bible, onto Colossians chapter 3. If you can't find it by now, don't try. Let's, let's ask someone else to show you where that is. Uh, so anyway, we, we went through Colossians um, chapter 3, verse, verses 5 through 11, two weeks ago. Uh, we took a break last week for Anthony to share on his revelation of the love of the Father. So today, we will try to get through uh, verses 12 through 17. So let's read through that together, and then we'll slowly break down and go through each verse uh, in this passage. Uh, I think it should be up there. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with one, each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart since as members of one body you will call to peace and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. In the King James translation, it had with spiritual songs, and I'll touch on that in a little bit at the end. 
So singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. There's so much in this passage, and we won't be able to go through everything uh, in these five verses. It seems long, but it's only five verses. So um, I would encourage you guys, please take some time during this week and the next week just to go through these verses uh, on your own. And it's, it, these verses provide a, a guideline on how we are to live through Christ. And it's important to note that we're able to do maybe one or two of those things listed on there, you know, being compassionate, being kind, being humble. Without Jesus, we can probably do some of those things, but we cannot do all those things and be all those things without Jesus. So hence the always continual, continual need for Jesus in all of our lives, in, in our lives. So anyway, so this passage starts with the word therefore. We talked about this two weeks ago, right? When we see the word therefore, the first thing we need to ask ourselves is, what is it there for? So when we see this word, we should remind ourselves to look at what came before because what came after is strictly based on what just came before. And what was said before the word therefore, in this passage, so we need to look at that in order to have a better understanding. So let's brief, briefly review and look at what came before, right? The verses that came before was about putting to death our old self and put on our new self through Jesus. I, uh, two weeks ago, I used the illustration as once we realize that we're dirty, or maybe filthy dirty, due to our time under the dominion of darkness, traveling in the forest of, just think about some action movie, some, some dark, bad, magical forest, and you're fighting through all the trees, the mud, and you're coming out of that place. So you realize, oh, wait a minute, I'm really dirty. And then you need to take a bath or a shower, right? So that shower is a cleansing through Jesus' blood. So I use that, that illustration that we need to take a shower through Jesus' death on the cross, as in once we accept to take that shower, once we accept Jesus into our heart, that accept that Jesus died for our sins, so after we've taken a shower, we should not put on the same old dirty, filthy clothes that we had before, right? We should put on new clothes, put on a new outfit, as we have been cleansed, we've taken a shower, we, we smell fresh and new and clean. Well, you should after you've taken a shower, right? We've been cleansed by Jesus. So the term, therefore, means the same, at least how, when I look at this, is, hey, you've been saved by Jesus, the God of the universe, the creator of all things, visible and invisible, the one who keeps all things in existence by his mere presence. You've been saved into this kingdom of Jesus, the kingdom where Jesus is the king. We were saved, not chosen. Uh, we were saved and chosen not because of anything we have done or how righteous we have been or how many charity organizations we've been involved with or how much money we've given, given away. We were chosen and handpicked by God. Deuteronomy 7 uh, verse 7 said, We were chosen not because of how great or mighty or strong or special we are. It is strictly because of his faithfulness. That's why we were chosen. And we're holy. The first verse said, We're holy we're holy because of Jesus and Jesus alone. We're holy because of him only, because as we accept Jesus, he makes his indwelling within us. That's how we become the holy people. Remember Colossians chapter 1, verse 27? Christ in me, the hope of glory. So he's in us. That's how we're holy. 
It's not because of how righteous we are. Holy, strictly just because of Jesus. Christ in me. The hope of glory. We were watching uh, the show The Crown. You guys ever watched The Crown? And uh, there was an episode where actually the Queen Elizabeth um, had Billy Graham into her um, personal, private conversation. And, and, and then you know, it went on and on. And anyway, later on, Billy Graham used that term, what is it like being a Christian? It's Colossians 1, verse 27. Christ in me, the hope of glory. So when we become a Christian, it means Christ is in us, the hope of glory. It's a term that you, you've been hearing a lot through this book of Colossians, and you're going to hear a lot more of it because I'm going to refer back to it to remind us of what we have. Christ in us, the hope of glory. And also we're loved. We're dearly loved. We're so loved by God. I said earlier that God loves our children more than we can possibly love them. That's how much he loves us. There's some translation used of the word, beloved. Beloved. It's, it's, for those of you who don't have kids, it's... Uh, it may be difficult to understand, but it's the love that you've never experienced before. And it's God loves us so much more. So whatever you think that you love so much, God loves us so much more than that. So that's what, that's what these verses are trying to say. So now, knowing that we were chosen, holy, loved, into this kingdom. So let's dress appropriately for this kingdom, right? We've been cleansed. We've been taken from the old self into the new self. So these verses are saying that, hey, here's your new self. Here's your new dress. Here's your new outfit. Colossians lists the new self or the new outfit that, that we're getting into as compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. This is, if you remember, the complete opposite of the old self, which were the verses that came before in uh, verses, uh, Colossians 3, verse 5 through 11, our old clothes that we used to wear, anger, malice, rage, slander, filthy language. So think of these virtues as re compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Think of these virtues as replacing our old set of clothes with our new set of clothes. But there's more for us to put on, right? Through Jesus Christ, we're now royalty. We've been giving more than just new pants or new shirts, right? Which is only what we had before. As I was working through this, and, then, and something that came to mind, an illustration that came to mind for me that I, that I want to use, and hopefully that will help you guys, and at least it helped me to have a better understanding of what it means to put on this new self, is um, I think you guys, most of you guys know that I came to the U.S. as a refugee. You know, I escaped Vietnam, refugee camp, came to America when I was 13. So when I left, I had one outfit. I had a shirt and a pair of shorts. I'm trying to remember if I even had flip-flops. So that's what I had when I left, and I was in a refugee camp. But when I came to America, there was a package of clothes waiting for me. It's shirts, shorts, pants, underwear. When you were 12, you didn't think about those things. But it's like, what? What are these things? Underwear, the shoes, socks, the sweaters, jackets, hats, boots. It's like, oh my goodness, what do I do with all these things? And that's what it's like when we're come to, coming into the kingdom of God and, and put on our new self. God has so much more for us. He, he doesn't just replace our short and shirt. He is giving us so much more. It's like replacing the old things with the new things and so much more through Jesus. So that's why we want to go to the next verse. He's, he's, through Jesus... 
would bear with each other, finding strength in him, letting him uh, lead us, grow us, so that we can have bear with each other, same thing as tolerance. Tolerance, tolerance means ability or willingness to accept something, in particular with existence of opinions or behavior that one does not necessarily, necessarily, necessarily agree with. So that's what tolerance is. You can still get along with someone even when you disagree with them. I know nowadays society has actually really messed up that definition of tolerance. It's like if you don't tolerate someone, that means you, you, uh, you are biased or you're prejudiced or you're racist. It's like, no, I just disagree with you. We can still get along. Tolerance, that's what it means. So that's what it means, bear with each other. So God is allowing us and teaching us to tolerate each other. And then after that, our next step, as we tolerate each other, understand each other, we can forgive each other and forgive them for any offenses. We're being asked to forgive. We're not being asked to forgive the actual sinful acts. We're asking to forgive the person and get along with them. We can't forgive sins. This is something that we need to remember. God hates sin. Like, he hates sins, period. Sin is sin, and we can't save people. People can't forgive sin. God hates sin, and he can't stand it. It can only be cleansed by the blood of Jesus. It can only be cleansed by the blood of Jesus. This is why he sent his one and only son to cleanse the, the, the sins that we, that, that we have so we can be forgiven. An example is, I, forgive, I can forgive John Smith for his crime against me, but I cannot forgive the actual sinful act that he did. So what, what this verse is trying to say, I know I'm going a little bit too long, is we learn, as we learn to tolerate with each other, we can forgive each other. And then, and then there's more to this outfit, this, all the virtues that God is equipping us with and giving us. The new clothes that we are wearing is love, right? Love. Because we need to be able to tolerate someone, forgive someone before we can love them because it's difficult to love them if you're not able to put up with them or forgive the things that they've done. And love is such an important verse here. We know that. We talked about that all the time. Um, but this love is a, a love from God, not a self-generated love or the love is defined by society. It's a sacrificial, unconditional love from God. It's a supernatural love. Uh, I'm going to use the verses from 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1 to 3, to really help us understand this godly love. If I speak in the tongues of men or of, of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. So, it's not about prophetic gifting. It's not about how hard we work. It's about, not about how much money we give away. It's not about uh, uh, speaking in tongues and have these supernatural things. We're nothing without love. And it's amazing, isn't it? Because many, many people think that, oh, that person gave so much money to charity, they must love people. Yeah, in a human love, but in a godly, supernatural love, it's not the same thing. The love of God, again, not self-generated or self-taught or what we've seen from society. God of love, God, the love of God ties everything together in place. Love holds everything 
in terms of like our new outfit in place. Think of it as a belt. We need that belt to keep everything in place. So our new outfit, but there's more, right? There's more because it's still going on. Using the illustration of having new clothes, like I was saying earlier, you know, when I, think, I was thinking, oh, I got a jacket, I got pants, I got shirt. Wait, there's boots, there's hats. There's like more jackets, light jacket, winter jacket, spring jacket. There's so much more. So that's why the peace of Jesus Christ, we have that also as we believe in him, as we live in his kingdom. Peace I leave, leave with you. John 14, verse 27, Jesus said this. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Not the peace of people. Not the peace that we get from homeland security. Not the peace that we get from knowing that the U.S. armed force is protecting us, that the police officers are protecting us. Not the, the United Nations, other things that they're doing, or Amnesty International, but the peace of Jesus Christ, the God of the universe. We have that. That is part of our new outfit. And then thankfulness, right? Colossians went on to say, be thankful. Once we realize all the goodies that come with this new self, this new outfit, how can you not be excited? Just imagine if you have just shorts and shirts and suddenly you got this closet full of new clothes. That's amazing, isn't it? We can't help but be thankful of Jesus for our new life, this new self, this new outfit. And as we're being thankful, it shifts our mindset. That's when we're worshiping. That's why um, Vanessa was encouraging everyone to worship, to be thankful. Because as we are thankful and we're worshiping, it shifts our mindset into the heavenly dimension. Because in heaven, we know that they're praising God day and night. We know that from Revelation 4. So when we're being thankful and we're worshiping God, we're worshiping together with the angels. So be thankful with our hearts, with our minds, with our voices, with our body. And be thankful. If you're not thankful for the new clothes, be thankful for eternal life, at least. It's amazing. Eternal life. Thank you, thankful for his loving devotion spans a thousand generations. We know that from Exodus 20. A thousand generations. So I'm thankful that God's love will be on my son and my daughter and their children and their children and their children. That's what I'm thankful for. If you're not thankful for the new outfits that we have. But I'm thankful for his amazing, devoting love to our people. And the last two verses uh, in this passage. So as we have... So, so as we have the revelation of what comes with this new self, a new life, we will be extremely thankful, right? And from a place of thankfulness leads to the last two verses, which is about encouraging each other and encouraging ourselves and encouraging each other, doing this through scripture and through our worship. We want to always worship with a heart of thankfulness and gratitude, both in our individual worship time, which I hope all of us do, and in our corporate worship time when we come together on Sunday morning. So this is why we always start our Sunday service with the songs of worship, songs that focus on Jesus and exalt Jesus. Because as we worship God with, a, with a, a thankfulness and a gratitude, our hearts will be shifted. And all the little things that's been distracting us and bothering us and affecting us, it will be shifted. And then we'll focus on who is the biggest and the mightiest and the highest of them all. Jesus. And we'll be aligning, again, as I said, aligning and joining with the angels in worshiping the living God. So one of the things that's on there is singing songs from the Spirit, or the King James Version saying spiritual song. This is true worshiping. 
I said, like what Vanessa was saying, it's not just repeating the lyrics or just singing out the things that you see. It's worshiping from a place of thankfulness. Because once we have a revelation of Jesus and what he has done, rescue us from the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of light, given us eternal life, given us his new outfit, new self, not because of anything we have done, it's all because of him, we will be thankful and we will want to worship and be thankful. And when God wants us to worship in the spirit, we know that from John 4, 24, right? God is spirit, so he wants us to worship in the spirit. And the most simple explanation to worship God in the spirit is to worship with a heart of thankfulness and gratefulness and with gratitude. Worship with gratitude, sing to Jesus from a place of, of understanding and revelation of who he is. That's, if I may say, that's a beginner's definition of worshiping in the spirit. So regardless of what happened throughout the day, week, month, or the year, I know there are big things that's happening that has happened to people. People lost jobs, people have personal tragedies, there are relational conflicts. Whatever it is, if we come to God with a heart of thankfulness and gratitude, we come before God to worship with that attitude, then he will speak to us. He will reveal things to us. We will be strengthened by him, his supernatural power, and his spirit. So I want to end by, by saying this and reminding us again. Remember, Christ in me, the hope of glory. It sounds very simple, but as we sit and think about it, Christ in me, the hope of glory, the almighty creator that created all the stars that we see, all the galaxies that we see in us, the hope of glory. Because of Christ in us, we're loved, we're chosen, we're holy, we have eternal life, we belong in the kingdom of God, we will live forever, like forever. So put on this new self, put on this new outfit. You, you know, as I said, you're going to hear that a lot. Christ in me, the hope of glory. It's a simple, easy, but it's a good reminder for us of what we have. And allow him to shape us and change us as he's in us. He's not going to force his way in. He wants to slowly change us and reveal more things to us. So this will lead us to being clothed with a new self, which consists of what I, what the things I was saying earlier, compassion, kindness, forgiveness, love, patience, humility, gentleness, godly love. Our physical appearance will be the same, right? I mean, I would like to be taller, but that's not going to happen, right? Uh, <laughs> Gavin likes to be shorter, but it's not going to happen. I know you want to be shorter. Uh, our physical appearance will remain the same, but everything else is different. Do you guys ever get that? You know, when someone comes up to you, it's like, huh, you look different. Well, you still look the same, but there's something different. Because as we allow God to work within us, our new self is slowly coming through and slowly coming out. There's more of a patient, a humility, a love, a toler a bear, bear with each other, and a kindness to people. Allow God to work within us. Colossians is saying that when we accept Jesus in our hearts, Christ in me, the hope of glory, the Holy Spirit will change our hearts which is how we view people. When he changed our heart, it's how we view people. So may, we may have perception about, you know, Asian, black, Mexican, white, whatever. But as we accept Jesus into our hearts, we realize that all people are God's people. So it will change how we view people. And as our heart changes, the Holy Spirit will change our mindset 
which will change how we treat people, how we talk to people, how we interact with people. Because we know that all people are God's people. It's no longer because, oh, I'm better because I'm Asian. I'm better because I'm white. I'm better because I'm, you know, this and that. You know, guys know what I'm trying to say. And the Holy Spirit will change those around us through our love for all of God's people. And our new self is coming through. Our heart of thankfulness. The peace of Jesus Christ flowing through us and into those around us. These verses are to, ex to exhort us to clothe ourselves with this new self. Allow Jesus, the Holy Spirit, to work within us so that our new self will be manifested. So that others can see this new self. Even though it's in the spiritual realm, others can still see it and experience it. And know that, oh, there's something different about you. The thing is, God doesn't force us to do these things. Like the same thing is he doesn't force us to believe in him, right? We need to accept Jesus for who he is. He's not going to force us. So it's the same thing. He's not going to force us to put on this new self. He wants us to come to me. I have so much, so many more things I want to give to you. Come to me and I will dress you up in this incredible outfit that you never thought that you could wear. You never thought that you deserved to wear or have the ability to wear. Well, you know what I mean. I'm just using the outfit as an example. So, for the ladies, maybe some of the guys, think of it as you just got back from an epic shopping trip. Clothe yourself with these new, fine, new dresses and clothes and what have you. Because after you clothe yourself with this new pretty outfit, right, you usually want to show it off to somebody, right? I know you ladies know how to do this. I've seen it. So sh let's do that the same thing with our spiritual outfit, our spiritual self. As we come to the revelation of who Jesus is, allow him to dress us. Allow him to outwork those virtues, the things that he wants to dress us with. And let others see the things that we have now within us. As for the guys, most of the guys, I know you guys like shopping, you're just not doing it. So if you're not big on shopping, go on an epic shopping trip and put on your new outfit. Do this in the name of research. So, so then to do this, so then it will help us to have a better understanding of what it's like to put on a new self. Because you realize when you buy nice new clothes that fit, that look well, you're going to walk a little bit differently. That's in the practical. So do the same thing in the spiritual, understanding that we have Jesus. We have this new incredible self, incredible outfit that God wants us to wear and show off to other people. So seriously, um, you know, for the guys, put on your new self. Today's Father's Day. I want to encourage you guys, put on your new self. Lead your families, as Vanessa said, in these little things. It may seem like little things, but in these virtues. Because if, if you're not married, if you're not married, put on this new self anyway. And be example to, to uh, those around us and influence those around us. Because remember, someone is always influencing someone. So ask ourselves, who is influencing who? Are we influencing others or are others influencing us? It's a tough question to ask. Trust me. I have to ask myself that question a lot. It's a tough question to ask. As a guy, who is influencing who? Are we influencing others or are they influencing us? Because remember, remind us, 
remind ourselves, Christ in me, the hope of glory. So if you don't remember anything from this sermon, Christ in me, the hope of glory. And hopefully you will remember the new outfit that God wants us to wear. So, um, so that's why I have for us this morning. Uh, I just want to encourage you guys just to read through these verses again and read through them slowly and allow God to work those things out in us. If there are certain things that we're fighting or, or, or don't have or you want it to have, ask God for it. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal it to us and give us more um, capacity in that particular area. You know, some of you uh, tend to be impatient. Just ask for more patience. The Holy Spirit will give it to us. He wants to. He wants to give it to us. It might not happen right away, but it will happen as we persist and as we ask for it. So, so that's what I have for us this morning. And, um, and I, I, I just want to encourage you guys, continue to read through Colossians in your own, own time. I don't want to say, to, again, to all the fathers, and for those who are here and for those who are not here, happy Father's Day. It is an honor and a privilege for us to be fathers. Not everyone gets to be fathers. It is easy to father, but not everyone gets to be fathers. And it's an incredible privilege. I use the example a lot. Is not everyone gets to fly fighter jet. Just think of it that way. We're some of the people who get to fly fighter jet. It's a privilege that we have been entrusted with incredible kids who will grow up to impact and advance God's kingdom. So, uh, amen. Okay, amen. Let's, uh, let's close and I, uh, I'll, I'll pray. Let, let us pray over us. Father, I just want to thank you for uh, this morning. I just thank you for the things that you have revealed to us. Thank you for what you, you share and shown us during the worship time, just during this, the, the word and the sermon, and then even during the conversation time, Lord. We just want more of you, God. We just ask right now in the name of Jesus that we just want more of who you are. We want you to come and just dress us up, reveal more of the things that you have for us. I just want to uh, take a pause really quick and say, Father, for those of you who have not accepted Jesus, I want to use this time. I would love to lead you into a prayer because all you have to do, all we have to do is accept him and invite him in. You don't have to be better. You don't have to change. We don't have to, to work harder. We don't have to be more righteous. We just need to accept him. Accept him into our hearts and declare him with our mouth. For those of you, if you don't have relationship with Jesus, or if you think that growing up in a church, or growing up in, in, uh, in, in a Catholic church, or growing up whatever, means that you are a Christian, it is not. We need to accept Jesus into our hearts and declare it with our mouth. That's how we get into the kingdom of light. If you want me to pray for you over, over you to get into the kingdom of light, I would love to do that with you after the service. Just come on up and I would love to pray with you. But anyway, we just want to thank you for you, Lord Jesus. We love you and we worship you. We're thankful, we're so thankful for all that you have done and what you're doing right now and we look forward to all the things that you are doing through restoration, through each and every one of us. We love you, Lord Jesus. We praise you and we honor you. And we worship you because you are the only one, the only one who is worthy of us gathering together on a Sunday morning, taking time away from the things that we do to come together and lift you up and exalt you. Let your name be lifted up this morning, Lord Jesus, not only here, but in this building, in this neighborhood, and all those who come 
and, and in contact with us. We want to honor and glorify you and you alone, Lord Jesus. And we pray to all these things in your mighty name. Amen.